Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on Friday night's defeat at Somerset Park and ahead to the playoffs, Jamie McDonald. Jamie, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Uh, almost at summer now and obviously not not the best game on uh, Friday night, but we're in the playoffs anyway, so happy it is. Not the best, doing quite a lot of heavy lifting there. David Forrest this year. David, how are you? I'm doing well, yeah, the, the, we'll get on to the game, but I mean, like, everything up until the game was quite good. I would like to stress, if there's anybody from the Daily Record listening, um, I drank zero cans in the train, um, just just to put that out there, just to make sure people know. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Um, I bank holiday off. What a time to be alive. I know, a Monday afternoon record feels very unusual. We'll start with the starting 11 as normal. And I think we were all quite happy with the starting 11. As expected, uh, Brian Graham, Scott Tiffany weren't in the squad. Bannigan Holt dropped to the bench for a rest, but we were still pretty strong. Guys like Kyle McAllister come in for a start. Ricky Foster, first start in a while for him. David, what did you make of the starting 11 on Friday night? It felt like a, a half-decent, sort of halfway house between... I think people are we going to play a full-strength team or are we going to play a a week inside. I think we had enough about us in that team where you were like, all right, and then someone like McAllister coming in, you know, getting a getting a start, you were kind of hopeful that we, we'd heard a lot of promise about McAllister not really seeing anything, that maybe this would be, maybe show us a little bit of something there. I, I was quite happy with the, the start of the living. The, the, the circumstances of the game meant that we it wasn't all or nothing, so you could kind of afford to do it, especially with the playoffs coming up, so I wasn't too aggrieved. Jamie? Yeah, just kind of similar thoughts, echoing what David said. Like It's a team that we probably thought would be a bit weakened if Graham and Tiffany had not been in it. For obvious reasons, I'm glad they're getting safe from the playoffs, to be honest, because it was a game that realistically meant nothing. We would have had to take in an eight-goal swing, which was incredibly unlikely. Um, Rafe rather ended up drawing anyway, and we ended up losing by two goals, so it didn't really matter in the end. So it's good that they got some rest. Kevin Holt obviously ended up having to get shut on to protect a to protect a, a loss, which did feel a bit weird. We were bringing on defenders to protect a loss, but that's what it is. It's the kind of team we fought. I was a bit disappointed that Conor Murray didn't get any game time. I was kind of hoping he'd get a start, but he seems to have really fallen out of favour in the team. And I think he's got something to offer as well. So I was disappointed when McAllister went off that we didn't see Conor Murray coming on. But the only, the only major issue was Turner going off injured. Got hope that was precautionary and that 
he's back for the playoffs, but we'll have to wait and see. There's a couple of players I want to just chat about while we're on them, and Murray's definitely one of them. I think if you're Connor Murray, you've got a few months left, well, this month left on your contract, but you are a permanent member of the squad, and you see Kyle McAllister, a lone E, going on ahead of you, and then when he goes off injured, you're still not getting the call, even in a heavily rotated team, and with five subs and a heavily rotated team, you're not getting a sniff. I think you've got to think your your Thistle career's come to an end, unfortunately, which is a shame. I don't think he was great in League One last season. Glimpses this season, he could have done it, but he's probably not been given enough of a chance. I don't know if either of you want to come in on Murray's future. I, I, I would agree. I think, to be honest, when you see that last game of the season before the of the regular season, and again, you've got a guy who will realistically not be with us in three weeks getting ahead of you and you know him being him coming off and then you're still not getting on you can put two and two together and see what's going on to be honest I think even before today I mean we in the league one season it it didn't set you know the world alight but to be fair he didn't play that much um and I think there was quite a bit of time through the season where we were kind of wanting Conor Murray to get a more of a chance. Similarly, like Blair Lyons as well. Like I remember Murray and Lyons being the two that we were kind of like really wanting to uh, kick on and get a sort of chance to make a foothold in the squad. And to be honest, in Conor Murray, I mean, I, I, it might sound bad, I, I genuinely forget that Conor Murray plays for us until he's mentioned. And I'm like, oh yeah, he still plays for us. He's not made much of an impact this year. And how much of that is him? How much of that is, you know, the team, him not being picked in it? There, there's, there's, a, there's a debate to be had on that, but I do not think he will be here next season. And it is a shame because there, there is something there. It's just not being able to see it. Then I, know, I agree, David. The next player I wanted to chat about was Robbie Crawford. And Apart from his debut at Hamilton, I think this is the first time I've seen him play in the middle with Bannigan getting a rest. And I know the team didn't really play well, but I thought, especially in the first half, we saw a good performance from Crawford in his more natural position. Jamie, do you think we saw enough from him to warrant a a contract on the table for him for next season? It's kind of a difficult one with Crawford. Like you said, I think it's only the second time we've ever seen him actually playing centre-mid, maybe the third time tops. Seems to have kind of shoved out on the right a lot, similar to Kyle Turner. And he's probably struggled to do what he's best at, you know, moved out onto the right. It's probably not the most comfortable position for him. But I feel he probably will get off to an extension. He's one of the ones McCall trusts, clearly. I had him at air. He's brought him here to Thistle. And I wouldn't be shocked to see him get off of that deal for next season. So I, I think he probably will stay. David, what did you make of the, the team's performance on the whole? Obviously, we were off to a slow start, a couple behind early on, and it did look... Like the goal difference was maybe under under a bit of danger late on in the first half and at half time. But how would you assess the performance on Friday night? I'm not gonna lie, see when it was two 0 and Rafe went one 0 up, you were like, Oh, what's happening here? This is this is not good. Conceding the penalty early on was just it kinda took the wind out of ourselves. I think if we hadn't conceded that, we probably could probably could have got something but like getting that penalty them they need that game like to avoid the playoffs they they are absolutely not fighting for their lives not pitch invasion worthy you know they, they wanted to avoid the playoffs and when they got that penalty you could see that they, they had a bit between their teeth and they were just running letting go and then when the second went in you're like all right well this is 
this is kind of done already. It's one of those ones where, like, Air played all right and arguably could have scored more than three. But as well as that, I don't think we were especially awful. I've seen far worse from us this season. And as you say, in the first half, you know, it likes a Crawford and doing some good stuff. It's kind of, it's a bit endemic of the squad that you have people coming in and just kind of not taking their chances and, you know, being given an opportunity to kind of make something of themselves and just not really bringing anything up to warrant an inclusion in, in the starting team. I think the problem is, is we have probably about, what, eight or nine players who are indelible in that team and you need to pull out something pretty brilliant to knock them off like your likes of Bannigan, Doherty, even Graham and you know the back line of Mayo and Holt and you know with, with that it's, it's it's really difficult you need to really really show that you can match the, their sort of work rate and performances and stuff like that and I think they didn't really and it was it was a bit of a shame. Yeah I think you're right about the players coming in who have sort of been on the fringes didn't really do anything to to make a claim to start in the playoffs. I think if you look at Akinola, I'd be surprised if we saw him again this season. I still think he looked low in confidence. Obviously, involved in the penalty incident in the first half, I'd, I didn't think he played well at all. And unless Mayo or Hope pick up an injury, I think that's the last of him we'll see this season. Having said that, though, I'm, I'm still happy he signed up for next season. I think the relationship he's got with McCall um, sort of bodes well, hopefully, a pre-season and some some League Cup games will improve his confidence, get it back to where it was in the first half of the season. I'm glad Jakubiak got a goal as well. Um, I think that could be big for his confidence going into the playoffs, especially if, if Graham's maybe struggling, carrying a bit of a knock. I actually think we were quite lucky we were playing Air, and I know that sounds weird because Air did play very well and we were, we were rubbish. I don't think there's any getting away from the fact we were rubbish. But if we were playing a team who didn't have anything on the game we might have seen them be more keen to score I think once they got the second in the first half they seemed to that seemed to be them for the the first half and then once they got the third goal they were quite happy to shut up shop they knew they'd done what they needed to do they knew they were safe and they didn't really push us for any more goals also I think Kilmarnock deserve a shout I think they did as a bit of a solid by putting out the, the starting 11 they did I know Lafferty wasn't playing and there were a couple others rested, but it was a pretty strong team put out and it showed with Rafe, Rafe only managing to get a point. Jamie, what were your thoughts on the performance on Friday night? Yeah, it was. Realistically, it was pretty terrible. It was We just didn't look at it. We had very little threat going forward, I think. Honestly, that could be goal might have been our only shot on target. I'm not 100% sure on that, but in the first half, we definitely didn't have a shot on target. I was right behind the goal. I think the only shot we had was in Yukubiak, but I blazed it over the bar. In the second half, we didn't really threaten very much. You know, Turner going off probably didn't help that. But, yeah, we just ran, we weren't really out of the races. I'm glad that Yukubiak got a goal. That'd be good for his confidence. And he deserves it, to be fair. I mean, he always works hard for the team. He gets out wide, does all the dirty work and beats his man. Help, just helps us get up the pitch. Good hold-up play. So it's good for him to actually get rewarded and finally get a goal hopefully that can boost his confidence for the playoffs and can grab another one on Tuesday Friday whatever and yeah it's just as I said good for his confidence wasn't the best game but we've got just kind of put it behind us hopefully put a, a considerably stronger team on Tuesday and yeah just, just get a one David 
We've had a couple of questions from from Ross Alexander. The first was, um, does anyone know Muirhead's penalty conversion percentage? Do you want to have a guess at that? I did some did some homework oh. before we came on. Christ, um, I'm going to say it's something stupid like 93 percent, something ridiculous. Jamie, do you want to guess? 89 percent. You're both close. 91%. He's taken 34 right in the middle. <laughs> taken 34 career penalties and he scored 31 of them. And unfortunately, one of his three misses was in that in that Challenge Cup final. I'm going to uh, be play devil's advocate here. Considering our positive ambition when it comes to penalty takers, should we sign him? <laughs> Maybe try to sign him in summer. People seem to forget that as well. We um, put a bid in for him and it got rejected. I know I've said this about Turner a few times this season. I I think it'd be a fascinating change to football. I'm not saying I want this because uh, it's quite weird. But if you had like just designated set piece takers, and then we could play eleven players, and we wouldn't have to worry about Kyle Turner getting shoehorned into the, the right hand side of midfield. We could just have him hitting the, the corners, your head hitting the penalties, and then eleven other players doing all the running. That'd be excellent. I would win the league. We'd win the league, really, wouldn't we? Hi, hi. Anyway, Ross Alexander's also asked thoughts on the Foster incident, and he said, such a pity, given how good the atmosphere appeared to be on the night with the fans singing, whilst we were also getting pumped. David, it was an unsavoury incident, I think is probably a decent word to describe it. What was your take on it? I believe the media speak is scenes we hate to see in the modern game. It's, <laughs> it's I, I, as you say, it is, it is very um, unfortunate to see it because... Like in the second half, I mean Jamie was next to me for quite a bit in the in the shed, um, in the second half and everybody was singing and jumping and we were like well out of the game, not showing any sort of ingenuity or urge to actually get forward and try and score some goals or whatever. But everyone was still singing and dancing and chanting and all that. And it was a really, really good atmosphere. It was one of the best atmospheres. Strangely, we seem to do that when we get when we were completely out of games. We do quite enjoy a wee sing song and kind of cheer us up. Whatever. And it was, if you looked at that in isolation, if you were somebody who wasn't a fiscal fan or whatever, and you came and you were in that shed in isolation, you'd be like, what, what a game, what an atmosphere. You know, the fans are really, there's such a, a connection even between the team and the fans that they really get each other and they're, they're one and then you look at the Foster incident it wasn't the only time he did it when he got subbed off he was full on arguing with people in the front row about how why people were shouting abuse at them it doesn't help and all that and he's absolutely right it does not help and it's it's a great example of it showing look I think people maybe forget when they hurl abuse at a player because we've all done it I mean I've done it to players I remember sitting next to your mum going, for fuck's sake, at Barrigan when he hit that free kick against Inverness, one of the worst things I've ever seen. Like, it's it's a thing you do in football, you know, you shout at players, you know, you swear and all that, right? And that's part and parcel of the game. But there's some contention about what was said um, and just in general, you know, people, you know, piling in, shouting stuff and all that. And, like, it was not nice at all. And... I don't blame Ricky Foster. I mean, it's it's that old phrase, you know, fuck about and find out. You know, if you're going to throw abuse at a player, <laughs> what are you going to do if they actually if they hear it and sort of take you to task on it? He shouldn't have done it, but I don't blame him for doing it. I'd have probably done it in the same same boat if I was in Ricky Foster's boat. It was a silly thing to do for him. The the, the guy the guys throwing abuse at him and all that that unacceptable. And to be honest, they they should be reprimanded for it. Like. 
don't we, we the, the club have went on about how oh we can't talk about fan ownership now because they don't want to ruin the sort of you know we don't want to cause a schism in the club and we don't want to have this bad negativity when we're on this important run why would it be any different from the fans shouting abuse at a player like even if he didn't play very well which he didn't it's you know it's not the way it's not the way he act and yeah it's it's pish to be honest it's absolute pish and I don't blame Ricky Foster for doing it no I agree like I, I think swearing at football is fine I think like letting out the odd like fuck's sake it, something bad happening is fine I think when it becomes premeditated and I think that's what it was on Friday night premeditated because all those fans made their way or positioned themselves exactly where the players were walking off they had time to think about it it wasn't an instinctive reaction to like a bad free kick like you said or a bad miss or a mistake to a goal it, it was just premeditated which is worrying for me I think the fact it's filmed is worrying for me because it's like they're expecting a reaction out the player they're wanting a reaction out the player and that is totally counterproductive to what we're trying to achieve this season I don't think Ricky Foster played well I don't think it's I think it's fine to come out and say Ricky Foster didn't play well I think it's probably fine to boo the team off if you really want to even though I don't think the team really warranted it when you consider the season we've had and we were still sitting fourth in the league at the time but to be to sit at the end of the half and think right in a minute I'm going to make my way over there and hurl abuse and whether or not it was some sectarian things were said or even just general abuse directed at an individual from a few yards away it's a really bad look when as you've said David the atmosphere and their way ends for I'd say 95% of the season has been really good I think that incident on Friday night has sort of been simmering I think since maybe March time some of their way ends have turned toxic pretty quick I think away at Dunfermline I think away at Kilmarnock and maybe the benefit of those two games was that the, the away fans were situated quite away from the, the tunnel where the players were walking off and maybe an incident like that would have happened if they were positioned differently because there has been some... It's, the fans have been quite quick to turn on some individuals. We've spoken about Docherty and Smith getting abuse in, in certain games and it's probably just the position that saved them from similar incidents. But no, I don't think Foster played well and I think fans are... are entitled to to boo entitled to say players didn't play well but when you're going up to a human being at the end of the day and just hurling abuse in his face from four or five yards away when it is premeditated I think that's when it crosses the line just the points that you made there just two wee things like obviously you mentioned about how like the atmosphere like you've been talked to in recent games I mean I sat next to you to come out and game the second half and it was pretty fucking miserable to be honest but a lot of the to not put too fine a point on it a lot of the people hurling abuse were what we would call fissile dads, um, you know, sort of older, more bitter, jaded people who just, you know, want to blame people quite a lot. And, like, you know, you see that quite a bit, right? And that's like, all right, well, they're just all fissile dads, you know, that's what it is, right? These people weren't fissile dads, they were, like, young people. And as well as that, like, to be videoing it, I mean, this is literally the same weekend as the Manny Black incident of her drinking a can in the train, the, the biggest crime imaginable, of somebody videoing it and then sending it on the papers and stuff like that to make her look bad. What, like, I bet you any money the people who are, who are doing that were probably raging at the Manny Black incident of somebody videoing it to make them look, to make them look bad. And they were probably raging because it was because you know oh, they're drinking a train. What's what's the, the bother? You are actively trying to make someone look really bad on video for the sake of just being a dick. 
<laughs> like it's exactly the same. It's 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 exactly the same. Like it, it's completely unacceptable. Why? I, I just don't get it. I don't I'm not a big camera phone man myself anyway, and I'm I'm verging on fizzled out with this one. But like I don't know. No, I agree. Jamie, you got any takes on on that incident? Yeah, it just wasn't. It just wasn't a great. It wasn't a great moment, was it? I kind of hate when these kind of things happen because you know we want wanted to talk about the football and all that, and then something like this happens, and then it's kind of feel like you've got to sometimes maybe take a side before you choose back the fans, you back up Foster. I just wish these things didn't happen. I think Foster shouldn't have reacted, but I think he shouldn't have had abuse shouted like hold him right next to him during the kind of nothing game, especially during a nothing game as well. I, I don't really like you said, I kinda of, you can grow on a player sometimes. I don't really yeah, you know, I don't really ever shout proper abuse. You can get annoyed maybe there the occasional like, oh for fuck's sake, I'm grown when it's like a a rubbish corner or a, stupid a stupid shot when they had a better option or whatever but yeah I wish you think it wouldn't happen not not a good look on anyone really as we say though I, I think it is a shame because the away ends have been largely so good this season with lots of great new songs I, I think in the summer as well when you see more red and yellow in the in the stands and it's not just black jackets it looks better as well I thought the, the away end looked and sounded great on on Friday night but that was unfortunate but we'll move on because we have a couple of big games this week to preview and we are tomorrow at home against Inverness in our first playoff it's the first leg of what is essentially a quarter final for us and Jamie how are you feeling going into the game probably not as nervous as I should but we'll see we'll see how I feel tomorrow um I I think I know we've not been playing great football recently and I think Inverness actually on pretty good form but with every game against Inverness this season our, our record against Inverness this season, it's been pretty close over the piece. Like, that now-now, okay, they did kind of, you know, they were all over us in that now-now. We were very lucky to get a point that day. Jamie Stein saved the penalty, they hit the bar and the post, I believe, and missed quite a few other chances, and we just weren't in the game. So we were lucky to get a point that day, but 3-3 up at their place, realistically, we should have won that. Um, we did beat them at home in that Friday night game. We beat them 1-0, and then they beat us another time. So we've got an even record with them. So I don't think we should go into the game, if anything, you know, to fear, we shouldn't be going there thinking we've got a terrible record against this bunch. We've got a pretty even record against them, so I think it's anybody's game. Like both teams will go for it. The pitch never makes for good football. We've said that a million times. So we, we know it maybe won't be the best game to watch, but I think I think it'll be low scoring. I think it'll be 1-0 or 2-1 either way, but I'm going to, of course, say 1-0 or 2-1 Fissile. But I think we need to got to pray that Scott Tiffany and Brian Graham are fit, start, or at least make the squad, because if we don't have them, then what I just said, that confidence level will drop for everybody. The players will probably, the players will hit, the, will hit them, will hit the fans. Everybody will feel that less bit confident if we don't have them in the squad. I, I think it's actually interesting about our recent record when you look at the the last two games against Inverness and then you can look ahead to the last two games against Arbroath. The last two games against Inverness, if you took them as a two-legged game, we would go through a, a two-legged tie. 4-3 on aggregate and if you take the last two matches against Arbroath we would have taken them to extra time with two draws so even though we've not had lots of success against Inverness and Arbroath last season our recent form against them has improved. David are you oh, I don't know why I'm going to ask you, you confident I know you've you're already planning Hibs away next season but um have you feel, <laughs> how are you feeling getting into tomorrow's game? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I love Easter Road. It's good. No, I'm kidding. Um, I it's 
it's one of those things where you look at the Inverness games of the last uh, uh, last season. I mean, like that first game, like we were all over them in the first half, and realistically we lost because Nedden made a mistake and Kurt Broadfoot of all people scored from about 35 fucking yards like it wasn't like a dominant display by Inverness at that time and even then like the free free as well as you say we should we should probably have won that we do have quite a favourable record against Inverness in Inverness you know we'd won for several years before the the one uh, the, the first game this season I mean, we we are we are shite, right? But what what I mean is that we might not be an especially great team at the moment, but we aren't absolutely beyond hope. You know, there is something there that we can harness and pull a run together, made of fucking gaffer tape and blue tack and all that, and sticking everything together. I, I mean, I, I think we will beat Inverness um, based on absolutely nothing, but I think we'll beat Inverness. Our broth, the, the big Hollywood thing, isn't it? Our broth, the fairy tale. You know, the fairy tale, we've not beaten them in 21 years. What a Hollywood story it would be to finally beat them. The Inverness one, I, I, you should be far more nervous than I am, and I don't I don't know why, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll go... Um, 2-1 on aggregate, us scoring... Last minute, absolute scenes. Ricky Foster, the guy who abused him, hugging on the pitch. Incredible. <laughs> I think the the lack of nerves just comes from the lack of expectation. I think if we were, if we'd maybe missed out on promotion, automatic promotion in the last day of the season or something, I think we'd be feeling a bit nervous. But because I don't think there's any expectation in us to go up, maybe there's expectation to get through this tie. Um, maybe even the second tie, but I really don't think there's any expectation on us to go up. Teams that finished third and fourth have never been promoted. Nobody's ever been promoted who have played this extra playoff game. So there's really no ex- expectation on us, which probably explains the lack of nerves. I think what we can cling to is the defensive record. We're averaging this season a clean sheet every other game. And I think if we continue that through the playoffs, we'll have a really good go at it. If we keep a clean sheet and one clean sheet per tie, you're giving yourself a really good chance to get through, I think, our home form. I know we speak about our home form re- recently having declined and maybe in part due to the pitch, but we're really not conceding many at home apart from the Hamilton game. That's the only game where we've not performed well defensively at home. And if we can continue doing that, I, I give us probably a 50-50 chance against Inverness. I'll, I'll go 1-0. At for Hill to this to Partick Thistle, the, the real Thistle, and then nil nil in Inverness. I think we'll sneak through one nil on aggregate in this first tie. Oh, the most Jamie. raucous nil nil you've ever seen in your <laughs> life of Inverness. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Right, Jamie. How many games do we have left this season? Well, you'd like to hope six. I don't know if maybe I'm mad. I feel we'll beat Inverness and then. Depending how the first leg against Arbroath goes, that will decide it. I don't know. If, I think if we lose to Arbroath, if we were to, hypothetically, if we were to beat Inverness and we lost to Arbroath at home, then I think it'd be over. I couldn't see us going to their place and turning them over after we'd lost. By the time by the time we play Arbroath, Arbroath will have had about 11 days without playing football. They'll be rusty. Look, we're basically promoted already. St. John's are rubbish. David, how many games have we got? Yeah, we've got, we got to beat them at some point. <laughs> exactly. I think the, the, 
the key point as well you have to think about is not only how many games do we have left, how many games do Queen's Park have left? Because that's another two games in the tatty field, absolutely fucking it up for St Johnston uh, in the playoff final. I think we're as good as promoted um, <laughs> at this point. I give it a 66% chance of winning the league title and the playoffs at the same time. So I, I think yeah, you have to look at the fact that we're going to have to play three games at Fur Hill in the space of what, like a fortnight and Queen's Park will also have to play two games possibly uh, in, in that fortnight at Fur Hill. So that's five games in the space of like two weeks. The the groundskeeper will be sitting there in his office with a bottle of whiskey and a pistol just <laughs> hoping Queen's Park gets gutted by Dunfermline. To be fair, I think the Queen's Park game is probably on the best possible day being at the Wednesday, so the pitchers get six days to recover if we get through. That's probably the ideal scenario. I'm very much enjoying how basically all of our hope on these playoffs is just banker on the fact that other teams are rubbish because we know fine well that we are up to absolutely nothing at the moment. I'd, I'd like to say, I'd like to put one point in here to kind of give you a bit more confidence and say it's the Scottish Championship. We're all rubbish. Yeah. It's a total tombola. <laughs> Well, I think was it recently the group chat said we'll be the worst team to get promoted since who? And he said, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true though. Aye. No, it, it really is. Like Hearts are probably the only sort of I'd say decent team to get promoted recently. I know like Livingston have went on to do some good things in the, the premiership, but you look at Dundee who went up last season as well. Like just really bad. Ross County haven't Ross County have had a good six there. months, but it, it took them 18 months to sort of adjust back up in the Premier League. Um, just... Even then, like, when Livy right. came up, when, when Livy came up, we were like, uh, when the playoffs were like, what the fuck have Livy done? Like, they're shite. Like, <laughs> they've done nothing all season, and then they beat us. So it's like, all right, I fair enough. But yeah. even then, nobody was tipping Livy to win that game. But we, we've been there in the 11th position, and you, you do sort of bank on... Premiership class shining through, and I know it didn't happen for us, didn't happen for Kilmarnock last season. But if if we get that far, we've got to hope that maybe whoever looks like St Johnson, they'll suffer from similar complacency, maybe, and we can cap capitalise on that. But that is a long, long way off for a team that is absolutely rubbish. David, you attended the Falkirk Stadium yesterday for the Women's Scottish Cup semi final. How how was it? Did you have a good time? Yeah, it was a it was a good game. It was um, it was really interesting. Um, I know this is the most Thistle fan view of all time, but we probably should have won them. I'm really unlucky. I mean, Glasgow City for being 13 times league champions, they all conquering until next week when Rangers win the title. But they're the only team to ever win the league title. That all conquering, just the, the absolute standard bit of Scottish football. They were rotten. They were really rotten and. You can see that you can you can literally see it's a Brian Graham team. I mean, full credit there was somebody. One one of my favourite bits was somebody a Thistle player booted the ball out um, into the stands and then put her hand up claiming that it was our throw in, which I found was quite funny. Just like a very cynical Brian Graham thing to do, and even the most blatantly obvious clearance that you've ever made, you're still claiming the ball. Um, we gave them a, a, pr- a proper battle. They they did not like it whatsoever. They caught us in the break twice um, and got two goals. But we had a woman through and goal 
pulled down in the box, ref waved it on. The ref was atrocious. One, you you think the refs at, um, at championship games are bad? Good lordy, you you should have been in that game yesterday because like it was a very jovial. There was lots of people there. It, it was mainly families and kids and stuff like that. That did not stop people from shouting abuse to the referee. There was a six-year-old who shouted, "You're useless, ref!" And he was right. He was absolutely useless. <laughs> it was quite nice to see the young generation coming through, getting minutes, shouting abuse at the referee. He was incredibly bad. But like first of all, I thought they gave him a good game. They it's, it's 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 an interesting sort of game because it's mainly played in the deck. It's you know there isn't really long balls or anything like that. It's all sort of pass to feet football and you know on the deck. And we were getting through in defence and just not not taking the chances that we probably should have. And on another day we probably would have won because I don't think Glasgow City were any great shakes. Um, it was a great atmosphere. Lots of people out there. I think we had the highest attendance of the four clubs that were playing that day. Um, lots of people there, flags, banners, even chants and stuff like that. And yeah, it was it was a great atmosphere and you could clearly see it meant a lot to the team. Um, at the end, they were taking photos and all that and applauding everybody off and all that. And yeah, and, um, Claire Dockett as well was was my standout. She was absolutely fantastic and you know running the show. Yeah, she she was great. The whole team were great, but you know three one. It is what it is. But um, you know, and congratulations to Tom Hosey whose savings account is safe after last week when he, he has him, he's always told his partner he'll never get married until he sees Fissel in a Scottish Cup final and his partner <laughs> this week said you didn't specify agenda and he was like oh fuck sitting there wanting Fissel to win but as well as that knowing it's going to cost him probably about five figures if they do <laughs> <laughs> so you know congratulations Tom Hosey in keeping your bank balance and uh, remaining unshackled a great day out um, and a, a good game and yeah I, I a great day for the club as well. Yeah, no, congratulations to the women's team. That was a, a really great cup run and hopefully some of the, the fans that were there on Sunday will go back, get season tickets for next season. That would be great. I'm glad you mentioned the referee, David, because I actually wanted to mention Bobby Madden on Friday night. I, I do find it quite hard like a lot of the time to criticise referees. I, I know in the podcast we pretty rarely speak about refereeing decisions, partly because it's boning, but like he has got the arrogance that a bald referee just should not have. Some of his decisions were baffling, and probably like the most worrying thing for me was Kyle McAllister was down with a head injury, and it was quite clearly a head injury, and the goalkeeper had the ball in his hands. He allowed play to go on, and then allowed it to go on for about a minute until the, the game was stopped. That's negligence over incompetence. It was just shocking. Yeah. And some of the, the inconsistencies in his decisions as well were rubbish and it's it's not sour grapes because we, we were rubbish and we didn't deserve anything out of it but he, he infuriates me Bobby Madden anyway we'll finish as we always do with Partridge Thistle and I'm going to ask you if you had to start unironically wearing a hat all of the time what hat would you wear? Thistle bonnet mate good answer <laughs> I, I mean, I could just say a thistle but or McCall's cat, whatever. But um, I'm going. I've got. I've got an answer for this. I am controversially at this point um, in time. It's not the best time in the world to be a, a scholar of Russian history. Um, we're, they're going through a bit of a, a rough period, to, to put it lightly, um, <laughs> in the moment. I'm going to rephrase that because that sounds like I support Russia. Um, as, a, as a scholar of Russian history, it's not too great to talk about it at the moment because, well, 
you know they're, they're being pricks basically but um i do enjoy a cossack cat a big fluffy black cat big star in the front i'm a big cossack cat that, that's the one that i would have and um, as you know matt and when we went to kilmarnock i was in all black about three layers of my thistle top and top and you started me says you're such a fucking goth because it was like 15 degree <laughs> i was not sweating so a big black furry hat in the middle of summer that's that's the one for me i've got a stetson i think and i think whenever we turned up whenever we turn up at away grounds with your russian hat and a stetson jamie and a thistle bonnet I think that would be, be a trendy look walking into uh, Easter Road next season looking like that. We're back in the <laughs> Premier League. Incredible scenes. Anyway, thanks for joining us on Draw, Lose or Draw. We will be back next week. And what we talk about next week is entirely dependent on how the team got on in the next couple of games. We could be looking ahead to a two-legged tie against Abroth, or we could be doing a review of the season and our annual end-of-season awards. In the meantime, stay safe and enjoy the playoffs. If we get beat, we're doing a fucking Eurovision special, man, you know it. That's fine. Uh, That's fine. <laughs>